3: Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that, mm-hmm. we gonna see him soon. You feel me?
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads podcast on Rams Talk Radio, now presented by Blue Wire Podcasts, fun edition. I'm Steve Barrow here, as always, with my man Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it, you know, if for, for the longtime listeners of this podcast, we were probably at our lowest morale ever two podcasts ago, and here we are, coming off a playoff win. <laughs> like, who would have thought? I, I did not think we'd be here two weeks ago.
3: Oh, I didn't think we'd lose to the Jets, but that happened also.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh Yeah, man. It has been a crazy month of Rams football. We lost to the Jets. We lost the division. We got into the playoffs because of a backup quarterback. Backup quarterback gets injured. We're back to Jared Goff, and we beat said Seahawks, who we lost to two weeks ago. Uh, It has been wild. We are prepping for a game against the Green Bay Packers in the freezing cold. You know, had we done, (laughs) had we beaten the fucking Jets, we'd be playing the Saints this week. It would be a lot better of a scenario, I think. But uh, here we are. We lost the Jets. We're playing the Packers. But hey, we haven't talked about the win yet. So hey, why don't we get into that, man? Huh?
3: Let's do it.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to break down with this game, and it has a lot of implications for next week and some of the implications for beyond, but I want to start with this. It was a 30-20 to win for the Rams. Uh, the Rams end up winning this season series 2-1 to against the Seahawks. They are the last NFC West team standing in what was probably the best division in the NFC this year, one of the best divisions in football, but... Let's start by not praising the Rams. Jenny, I think we should start this podcast by shitting on the Seahawks. Like, I'm not going to – I rewatched the game again today. I'm not going to sit here and say that this was a game the Seahawks should have won. But boy, did they do everything they could to lose this game.
3: Well, offensively, the Seahawks – this wasn't the same Seahawks team we saw two weeks ago. I I mean, even two weeks ago they weren't that impressive, but they were uh they they were certainly um a lot more threatening I guess is the word there. The uh <laughs> the offense just was completely terrible uh up until like the last few plays. And at that point, it was kind of garbage time. We already knew the Rams were going to win. And even that last DK Metcalf touchdown, it it basically, they let them score. You know, so the Rams defense completely shut down their offense. And really, they didn't give them that much of an opportunity to score uh, because of the secondary, you know, the the offensive line was not blocking for Russell Wilson at all. No. And really Wilson had no choice but but to kind of hand it off to uh Chris Carson and I, I guess he got a few first downs here and there but yeah, it was just a complete and utter disappointing uh performance from their offense. I mean, that's be- it's good news for me but uh
1: not to Seahawks fans. No, dude, it was horrifying. I mean, the the offensive line was bad before and after Aaron Donald got hurt. They they were sloppy. They were getting called for bad penalties at bad times. They they the turnovers were outrageous. I mean the the pick six to uh, Darius Williams, while a great play by him, like that pick six would have never happened. Uh, I don't know if Wilson should have thrown the ball. And also, like, uh, Swain just completely whiffed on a block, the block on Darius Williams. It looked like he wasn't really even trying. And, yeah, they they fired Brian Schottenheimer today, uh, former Rams offensive coordinator, after he, he shattered offensive records in Seattle in, in this game. And, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, they didn't really have a cohesive offensive drive until – That last drive of the game or second last drive where DK Metcalf scored and, you know, they were down 30 to 13. I I wouldn't go as far as to say the Rams basically let them score, but uh, teams are playing differently when they have that big of a lead that late in the game than they would be early on in the game. And yeah, obviously they had the the touchdown to Metcalf uh, near the end of the first half, but it was a broken play. And I'm not going to take away from Metcalf or Russell Wilson. That was a damn good play by both of them. But it's not like you know that that's a fluke play. Uh, that that's not a play that you you plan for. That's a play that great players make. But also, like in the grand scheme of things, like man, that was a fucking ugly ass game by the Seahawks. And then uh, really the the nail in the coffin was the fumble on a, on a punt return late in the game, in which the Rams scored. Uh, their second offensive touchdown in the last three weeks as a result.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it it was kind of nice to see that happen. Just so that, I mean, seeing the lack of touchdowns over the past few, really the past month, I will say, they, they really weren't able to punch it in the end zone. So I know it was kind of at the low point of the game for the Seahawks but I'm still taking it as a win just because it could have very well have been a, another field goal and I don't think any of us would have uh you know thought any differently just because there there's this is such a weird offense I I know that the Rams offense in years past hasn't been you know the best in the league or anything but it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting to observe this offense because you're basically wondering and and contemplating to yourself is this team going to actually score a touchdown you know they can somehow get down the field into the red zone sometimes it's through, uh, you know, favorable positioning, but we're never a hundred percent certain that they're going to score. And
1: that's basically the opposite problem of the uh, Packers. So that's, that's kind of the funny thing. Yeah. the, the, like, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but like things that happen in this game cannot happen against the Packers. Even though we won this game in pretty convincing fashion, if we play like this against Green Bay, we probably don't win that game. But, yeah, like, it's not just the red zone, too. I think it's just short yardage situations in general where they only need to get a couple yards. They're just a fucking disaster, dude. Like, there were so many third and shorts in this game that they didn't get. They had the fourth and one late where (laughs) they let Jared Goff run a QB sneak. Like, beyond how outrageous of a decision that is to let – your only active quarterback run a QB sneak when you don't have a status of Wolford. It also didn't work. He fucking failed. So it's 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 really concerning. Um and and I think that's been somewhat of a problem during the McVay era, but things covered up for it. Um and you had a guy in Todd Gurley who like I, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Man, he if he could do one thing, it was score. He was great in the red zone. We don't have that player anymore. Uh, and, and even last year and, and this year to an extent, Todd Gurley was still scoring touchdowns, even though he's, he's a sh- unfortunately a shell of the player he used to be. But it's a problem, man. And it's not. It's probably not something that gets addressed before next week. So, I mean, we just got to hope for the best. But, yeah, the, the red zone offense has it's, it's been abysmal. And we've won in games where we didn't score touchdowns. We've lost in games where we did score touchdowns. But ideally, you would just like to be scoring touchdowns.
3: You know, it's it's um, another thing to, to keep in mind that while, okay, fine, you don't score every, you know, you don't score a touchdown every time you get to the red zone. But at least, you know, make it so that, you're at least 50% or at least close to it. It's just so awful watching this team because you know that they're going to get down the field somehow. But once you get to the red zone, it's like they forget how to block. It's like they forget how to really get creative. It's not even just the players. It's the coaching too. You know, some creativity would be nice as well. You know, they have some creative plays when when they're down the field. But once they get to that red zone, it's like, okay, let's just do the same fucking thing over and over. And that's where we're at. You know, that's what we've seen the past month. And it's a mixture of a lot of things. I mean, of course, it's it's tougher to score when your starting quarterback not only is hurt but hasn't been the quarterback you were hoping for and then you're going to try with the backup quarterback who is not the tallest guy in the world and you know trying to get him out there and it it it's it's just awful because a lot of times you see a lot of these plays coming and particularly where Wolford got hurt I think we all saw that coming, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why Wolford got hurt. It's because Adam saw it coming a mile away, which, by the way, should have been a penalty, but that's that's another story.
1: Yeah, it, it was tough because it wasn't helmet to helmet, but I, it probably should have been a penalty. But also, he probably should have slid. Like, I know he's not a slider. He's pro- He probably never really practices sliding because he's – and he's never been that kind of quarterback, but that's that's a play where a professional slides. Uh, unfortunately, though, and but before we move on to the quarterbacks, what you do you want to talk about? Like there are personnel issues, I guess, that could are a part of the red zone issues, but that primarily falls on McVeigh. There's a there's a lot of the problems in this offense. I wouldn't blame him for, at, or at least as a number one culprit. But you got the red zone is that's on coaching, man. That's on schemes and coaching to figure that out, and I think that's something he will do a lot of homework on in the off season to try and add that to his offense. But unfortunately, it's not there right now.
3: No, clearly not. Uh, they they hired um, O'Connell to to kind of help him with play calling, but after this year, I think they should fire him <laughs> because I, I I mean I know that sounds a little harsh, but. Jesus, I, I've never seen such uninspiring play calling. And it's it's a shame, really, because the Ram offense, while it's by no means elite, it, they have talent there. They have the talent to get in the red zone. we basically seen a good majority of this personnel from 2018 when all they knew how to do was score. And, yes, you eliminate the guys like Todd Gurley, which – don't get me wrong is a huge loss but you still have other guys there that can get you in the end zone
1: yeah it shouldn't be this bad but you you do underplay those losses a little bit I mean Todd Gurley was in 2018 before even in the playoffs like he played great against the Cowboys I mean he was he was one of the best players in the league uh you also had Brandon Cooks and you also had Roger Saffold and I mean those are those are three heavy hitters um but but you're right like it, 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 because we're get it, we have our games where the offense is just flat out terrible, but we have games where we're getting into the red zone and they're just not scoring. And, and especially, I think the back half of the season that's really been amplified. Uh, it, it's it, it's frustrating, man. And and in 2018 too, I think we were. I would guess I don't have this written down. Like we were probably scoring a lot more touchdowns out of the red zone than we were this year, right? Like we were getting big plays, we don't we don't get big plays anymore.
3: No, not at all. I mean, that's kind of why I think a lot of us was hoping for the best for Wolford because while he was by no means uh, accurate, you know, he was still somehow getting the ball downfield. Whereas with Golf, we've seen I. I I hate to kind of dog on him just because he, the dude has pins in his thumb, you know. So it's kind of hard to dog on the guy. But even when he was healthy, he was not getting the ball downfield. And when he did try downfield, the limited time he did, it just looked ridiculous or resulted in turnovers. So it, it's, it's frustrating. I think that was ultimately why we wanted Wolford out there he again i don't think he's more talented than goff per se but i do think he he's confident enough to you know go out there and and make some plays whereas goff even during this game like he there's absolutely no reason why this guy should be getting the ball batted down as much as he does i know that's partly on the offensive line too but it's like he doesn't adjust like he sets his mind in motion and then goes for goes for the pass he doesn't seem to try and adjust the way he plays and that could be because he's trying to be cautious with his injury but it's it's something that needs to be addressed completely And that's why I'm hoping Wolford is healthy enough, but uh, that's another
4: topic.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, let's get into all these topics right now, but first, let's take a quick break.
4: Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art. Q&A's with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you, just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or on an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. And check out the distribution box. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join.
1: So so I think you made a great point there on, on Gop with just he doesn't adjust to things. And I think that has been probably his biggest issue in his career overall it, it's like he in 2018 when he was on fire um he didn't have to make a lot of adjustments because that offense was running on all cylinders a lot of that is because of how good he was playing for sure he, he absolutely gets credited for that but you also had one of the best offensive lines in the league, which while our offensive line is better than last year, we don't have anymore. And he really didn't have that last year. He had one of the best running back backs, if not the best running back in the league, uh, which he did not have last year at all. He has a good running back now, but again, the running game is not as good as it was in 2018. Um, And he he had a better group of receivers because Brandon Cooks is better than Josh Reynolds and provided a different, uh, different facet and, Different things to the offense, which while I think trading Brandon Cooks was the absolute correct decision this season, uh, for a lot of reasons, and I'm glad he bounced back and is having a great year, the loss of that kind of player is clearly being felt with Gop. And I will say, I this was not the best game ever from him, but I would I am never going to hold this game against him because a he didn't turn the ball over. This is the first game all season that the Rams didn't turn the ball over. Game 17, which is insane. Uh, And also, like you said, man, he had pins in his thumb. I I don't think he should have been active. I think it was nuts that Blake Bortles wasn't active in this game. I mean, you have, like, I'm pretty sure Raymond Calais was active. And we talk about all the time how he just doesn't do anything and isn't used. Like, you're going to tell me that you had to have him active, but you couldn't make a third quarterback active when your backup quarterback might not, like he's not starting this game uh I feel like if he were a hundred percent he they probably would have started him whether or not that was the right decision is another thing but he's clearly not a hundred percent it's just it's just crazy that uh they didn't have a third quarterback active but I not not really the podcast to <laughs> dive too deep into that but um there, there's so there's so much to complain about with Goff, but I don't really think it was there in this game. He it wasn't pretty, but uh, like the first the first couple possessions, I think it was I I had it down as the first three possessions. He was horrible, like uh, abysmal. The offense looked the worst at the lowest it's been maybe all season. Um, but then he gets that big deep ball completion to Cooper Cup, and to be fair, and I don't know if you agree with this. Not a good pass, right? Like, not his best, not the best pass at all.
3: No, it, you're absolutely right. Cup really made that play happen.
1: Yeah, over over uh, Jamal Adams. It was a great play. It wasn't the worst pass ever, but uh, it, it was a tough ball. Cup makes a huge play. And I, to me, from that point on, Goff got a little rhythm. He looked a little more comfortable. There were still, like you mentioned, passes being deflected. He missed a couple throws, but... Uh, he made he made some good decisions and I think like one of the his best play of the game, I think, was the easiest pass he had to make all year from a, a literally a throwing perspective, which was that little dump off to Cam Akers that went for a huge gain. But that was a play where he got pressure in the pocket, he stepped up, he avoided the sack, and instead of running for a couple yards, he turns his head, uh, which he doesn't look to new players often. Um, he sees Cam Akers standing there, he dumps him the ball, and it's a great game. And, like, he adapted. He doesn't adapt that often, um, or at least, like, listen, he might adapt more than we think, like, because we are not watching this game at the level that I'm sure he's he's seeing it at as a player. I'm sure he goes through his reads, but there's a lot of times where you can visibly see him staring down one player, throwing the ball, and it doesn't work, and a lot of times it gets intercepted. But I mean, well, like
3: way too often.
1: Yeah, way too often. But I mean, all things considered in this game, I was really happy with how he performed, given the injury, given the way he performed previously this season and given the stage. Uh, it was a good performance in that regard. Now, if he comes out and plays this same exact game against Green Bay next week, do we win? I really fucking doubt it and he needs to play better, and the offense needs to play a little better, even though there was a lot to like in this game, especially from Cam Akers, uh, who fucking balled out, uh, and actually is an okay matchup with Green Bay next week. But it's – for for the fact that he didn't even start this game and had to come in so early, um, he's 12 days out of surgery. I still feel like he – maybe it wasn't even the right decision to activate him. But um, – I'm happy with the performance. And that's not something I've said about Jared Goff in a while.
3: Well, it's, it's what we consider, you know, it's, if this is a healthy Jared Goff, I don't think we have the same tune. You know, I, I think given the situation, the circumstances that Goff was going through, it was appropriate um, to give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation. I mean, the man had three pins in his thumb, his on his throwing hand. That's that's significant. But at the same time, do we jump up and down about this game if it, if he's healthy? Hell no, I, I'd be pissed. Uh, but hopefully, because I, I have no idea what the status is on Wolford. I imagine that he's doing a little bit better because there hasn't been anything about concussion protocol or anything like that. Yeah, he's
1: he's questionable. I think the official designation during the game was a stinger. So, no, I don't think he has a concussion. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if he was active for this game, but it would surprise me a little if they started him.
3: Yeah, I would. I'd find it uh, um, really surprising that he starts because even even though it's listed as a stinger, he didn't practice today. And, you know, for something that's just a stinger, I doubt that it's just that because I, I would imagine you'd be able to at least have a limited practice. They held him out. Now, it could be for precautionary measures for sure, but I'd imagine that there's a little bit more to it than that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's – it was in – and I, I'll pull up the injury report here to show the official – what they wrote it I mean a neck stinger is a lot more concerning than like something else. Uh, yeah, the, the the injury designation is neck. If it was a concussion, I think we know, right? Um So yeah. that – that's a positive, at least. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, you and I both thought that Wolford should have been the starter going into this game, or going into last week's game. I should say. I think with how Jared played, and the fact that, like, look, let's be let's be real, he's more than likely going to be the starter week one of twenty twenty one. I don't think this game should really affect his status for next season, because like you said, if he was fully healthy, it was not, not an impressive game whatsoever. But the, the contract that he has, he's probably going to be on the team next year. And if he's on the team, he's probably the week one starter. Is he the week 17 starter next year? That's up for debate. Um, but because of that, like, and like Wolford played well in his first game for sure. Uh, we were really happy with it, but it, I mean, it, he didn't. He he wasn't like fucking Josh Allen out there, dude. So it's like you. I think you have to go with Jared Goff, and I think what it, it would it would set a bad precedent. I think if you don't play him, and like, let's be honest here, man, we're playing the fucking Packers. Like, we have a chance to win this game, but we are certainly the underdog. I, I. I don't know if Wolford moves the needle enough to to make that decision. Um, if you feel Gop is healthy enough, which I think clearly they do if they played him for that whole game and didn't activate Bortles.
3: So now the question becomes, do you really want Wolford there active? Because while I have a lot of faith in Wolford for a backup quarterback. If something happens to golf, you know, let's say he re-injures his thumb. Are we confident enough in John Wolford's health to have him active on the roster? Or do you replace him with either Bryce Perkins or um, Blake Bortles?
1: I will say that there's probably a better chance that I suit up for this game than Bryce Perkins. <laughs> um but I I, I I think they I think after this week, like you gotta activate three quarterbacks. You gotta find a way to do it. Um because you're not hundred percent with Jared's health and Wolf unless Wolford is fully one hundred percent no recurring injury on Saturday I, I think you have to activate Bortles for sure, and maybe maybe you activate Wolford too because you feel okay about his health, but I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's tough to predict that. If, if Wolford is not over, like, I don't know, 85%, then he probably shouldn't be active, especially with a neck injury. You don't fuck around with neck injuries. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you have to activate all three guys, even if Wolford is available. It's just concerning so, you have two quarterbacks with injury problems. Like you kind of have to have a third quarterback. And plus like Blake Bortles, he was, out, he was in and out of the league this year for a reason, but it's not like he's like a, a scrub, like totally. Like if he has to go into the game, I'm not like dead inside like I would be with some other backup quarterbacks in the league.
3: Well, let's put it this way. I have a lot more confidence in Wolford than I do – uh than I do Bortles.
1: Yeah, I, I think I do too. Although I do love me some Bortles. <laughs> uh, let's, um I, before we get to the Packers, I mean, K-Makers balled out, Guy's a stud. Maybe we'll relitigate that draft pick in the offseason. I don't really have much else to say on him, man. What a game. Great game.
3: He's the future.
1: Yeah. Uh he, he he's a player he's a player we have both had strong takes about that draft pick uh and we will definitely touch on that again in off season podcast but not today uh the defense an, an incredible performance once again I mean the the start with the pass rush and, and the front the front group in general Aaron Donald's wreaking fucking havoc out there early on he had two sacks on I think the first or second drive of the game alone, and he gets hurt. He is absolutely the best defensive player in the league and the pulse of this defense. And the the defensive line continued to wreak havoc when he left the game. Um this is not anyone who points to that as the reason why Aaron Donald is overrated is a fucking moron. But that's still a really impressive feat from this group, man. Leonard Floyd was balling out. Uh, Morgan Fox had a really great game. I mean, they were getting after Wilson with and without Donald on the field. And that's a really impressive feat to me. And props to them for pulling that off.
3: No, absolutely correct. I I was, I'm not going to lie, when Donald went out, I was worried. I was beyond worried
1: me too because
3: me too. Uh, let, let's face it donald is the heart and soul of not only the defense but of the team you know th- this is a guy you want out there and um turns out they didn't really need him because the seahawks offensive line is that bad um now i'll give credit where it's due um particularly with uh, leonard floyd who has surpassed all of our expectations. You know, I, we were kind of hoping for another Dante Fowler like scenario. And while I still think Fowler is the better player, um, even though maybe not this year, but um, I will say that Leonard Floyd, it might've been a, a steal of a pickup oh, last yeah. year. You know, he, he certainly surpassed my expectations. And then, um, speaking of surpassing my expectations, how the hell has Morgan Fox been <laughs> fire Dude. since he's been with this team this year? Where the hell was he for the past couple of years, going on and off the roster, and then all of a sudden he comes back lights out, getting all these sacks as a off the bench? I'm like, how? Who is this the same Morgan Fox? Are we being trolled here? Like. I I don't I don't understand how this guy just researched his career, but I'm glad to see him do it, especially
1: in this game. It is nuts, dude! How productive Morgan Fox has been. He's been floating around this fucking team since 2016, and just like like he's dealt with injuries, uh, he he missed the entire 2018 season. But like, still, man. It's not like we're talking about a lotter like a, a high pick here. This guy was undrafted and has somehow floated around long enough on the Rams. Like like he he was I dare I say the Mike Thomas of the defense up until this season. Like just like <laughs> is always on the team for whatever reason, but this year man, playing fucking great. He's absolutely playing great. I uh, and he's been a big part of why this group of defensive linemen is has been really productive and I mean that that group of guys Darren Donald Michael Brockers Ashawn Robinson Sebastian Joseph Day Morgan Fox I'm sure the. well no you know what I was gonna say those guys were being elevated a little because of Donald but he wasn't out there and Morgan Fox is still ripping off sacks like what what a what a turnaround for this dude good for him
3: yeah, no joke, man. No joke at all. I I have to say though, I, I think Fox might have been the most underrated uh pickup this offseason. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. <laughs> I I I'm happy to see it, man. Uh especially because should Aaron Donald go down, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say he's the next starter or anything like that, but to tell you the truth, if he continues to play at a higher level, I I'm okay with uh, you know, resting Donald a little bit, especially because uh Donald, while he it, it appears he's gonna be healthy enough to play in the game, he's still recovering from torn rib cartilage. Now, it's not a torn muscle, it's not a broken rib, but that sounds fucking painful, dude. Like, I don't I don't want to rip any cartilage from any part of my body, much less my ribs. Uh, the fact that this guy probably would have went back in the game if he was needed, but the reality was he wasn't needed. So there was no point in putting him back in the game. So I'm hoping that if some bizarre reason that the Rams don't need him at any point, against the the packers that they actually do rest him uh because i'm sure that's an injury that takes time to heal and playing football is probably not going to heal it right away
1: uh a a blowout win against the packers would fucking floor me man that Same. would that would shock me more than losing to the jets i think uh I but, wouldn't go
3: that far, but... <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> that, to me, is still the shock of the year, is losing to the fucking Jets.
1: The the Rams re-signed Morgan Fox on May 15th. I might have to go back to our podcast from that week and see if we even talked about it.
3: We may not have. I don't think we did. Yeah. If we did, it was just a very slight mention.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. <sighs> wild. Quickly, before we get to the Packers, um, this, the secondary, an- another great game. Uh, early on in the game, as is tradition, Russell Wilson threw a, threw a like comically absurd pass to Tyler Lockett that he still caught over Darius Williams, but he got him back with that pick six. Really changed the, the entire momentum of this game. Uh, couldn't have come at a better time. A great play by him. And, yeah, from there on, I mean, Jalen Ramsey was phenomenal yet again. And Darius Williams, the whole game pretty much played really well. There there were a couple lapses here and there. Uh, uh, you know, the DK Metcalf touchdown. If Troy Reader and Kenny Young are chasing DK Metcalf down the field, then he's going to score 100 out of 100 times. Like, they're <laughs> that's just, the truth. Yeah, there's nothing bad about it. I mean, other than a couple lapses, and that's going to happen against a a quarterback and a receiving core this good, and they were they were here in their lapses. They weren't consistent lapses. Uh, just again, a, a great, great secondary, and they'll have an even tougher test next week. But uh, I I really don't think they're going to be the reason we lose that game if we lose that game.
3: Well, to 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 before I get to the second part of what you have said, um, the first thing is those lapses the. <laughs> the the Darius Williams laps um, uh, with Tyler Lockett I don't blame Darius Williams at all no. because it was just Russell Wilson being fucking Russell Wilson this guy is one of the most elusive if not the most elusive quarterback in the NFL and he just bought some serious time by running for his life it wasn't even that the defensive front wasn't getting to him it's because they got to him. He somehow evaded, I think, like two or three guys. And then he just chucked it up. Um, and at that point, I imagine that Darius Williams was freaking gassed because, as it is, Tyler Lockett is not an easy guy to keep track of. He, he's a very quick receiver. And that play went it what seemed like minutes it went just because it was that long. And yeah, I don't blame Williams at all. It was just, it was just a damn good play, and he was gassed. I, I think any one of us would have been for sure. And as for <laughs> the DK Metcalf touchdown, when I I was actually curious to see like who allowed the touchdown. I I, I was wondering at first if it was uh, Jalen Ramsey, and then when I saw that it was <laughs> the inside linebackers covering him i was like well shit <laughs> they're they're not gonna they're they're not going to cover this guy at all unless it's like a quick pass yeah if, if they're actually covering him on an actual route he they're gonna they're gonna get scored on uh, I, with the with the decent receiver they're gonna score on him on them
1: oh yeah any any wide receiver they shouldn't yeah. be they shouldn't be down there. And look, if you watch the replay, it looked like uh, that would have been Jordan Fuller's deep assignment, but because it was such a broken play, uh, Metcalf was settled in the middle of the field, and Fuller stepped up to to do something else, which looked like a decent move, uh, and Metcalf just took off and took the two linebackers. I mean, what are you going to do? That, that that's just going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: it, just, it was just funny to me. I, I remember laughing. And uh I was I was watching the game with my family and they're just like looking at me all funny because uh yeah. I'm laughing as as uh, the Seahawks scored on, on the Rams and uh I'm just like it, it's just funny watching the linebackers covering DK Metcalf.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same reaction, like when they showed the replay and I see it was like, Yeah, who lost out of time? I see. Kenny Young and Troy <laughs> Reader booking it down the fucking field like they're in deep coverage like my god man you can't make this shit up uh let's uh let's take a quick break then talk about the packers too much of anything is bad but too much sports is barely enough with that in mind say hello to january 2021 from an expanded nfl playoffs in the bcs national championship game to the return of the nba and the nhl This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. I always tell people to head over to my bookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. I don't use my bookie because some corporate overlord told me to use them. I use them because they're the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's right. A thousand bucks when you sign up and they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. If this excites you, Sign up is even easier. Go to my bookie, sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. In 2021, you're going to want to bet with the best. That's why you should head over to my bookie and bet with them. So the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed in the NFC, I think this is clearly going to be the toughest game the Rams blood faced all season. I think the third, I think Green Bay today is a better team than the 3-0 and Buffalo Bills were uh, when we played them. Now, to be fair, Green Bay got shelled by Tampa Bay like midway through the season, and we beat them. So we have that going for us. Uh, but that also doesn't really mean shit. That was in week six. I mean, this this team is—the offense is fucking ridiculous. And it's going to be really interesting to see our defense play against their offense. We have not played an offense like this this season. We've played against some good offenses, but nothing like this, man. Aaron Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns in five interceptions. Like, that, that is fucking ridiculous. That makes no sense like how do you throw that many touchdowns and give like turn the ball over five times that's that's incredible he's going to win the he's going to win the MVP he deserves it his he, he the offense spot around him is loaded uh i the the backfield top to bottom might be the best in the NFL not saying that uh that Aaron Jones is the best running back in the NFL but AJ Dillon went when called upon was killing it Jamal Williams has been one of the Better backup running backs in the league. Although um, he's been injured, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be back for this game. But like, they're just ridiculous, dude. They're they're the receiving core beyond Devonte Adams isn't that impressive. But there are some okay players in there: Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, Lazard. But doesn't matter because they have Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams caught eighteen touchdowns this year. Was the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. Uh, Robert, Robert Tunyon, Big Bobby Tunyon at tight end, uh, came along, caught 11 touchdowns. Uh, their offensive line did take a hit. David Bakhtieri, uh an all-pro offensive lineman, uh, it got hurt in practice. He's done. So that is going to be the, the, the opening for the Rams to have a chance to stop this offense. And maybe they will because – they pretty much stopped everyone this year. But this is not like we met there there's been some minor lapses with the secondary in some games this season. Overall they've been one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the league, but Aaron Rodgers will find every single hole in your secondary. Uh the Rams forced a lot of turnovers. It's gonna be hard to force turnovers against Aaron Rodgers. And like <laughs> They're, that offense is wild, man. Uh, the the defense, I mean, you the what you got to hope for is that they can hold them to like in the low twenties, and the offense can do the rest. And we'll talk about the offense in, in a second here, but uh, the Green Bay offense they are going they are a problem, and they are going to be a problem in this game. And we have to hope that our you no know, defense that has been elite can continue to do it against the best of the best.
3: Remember when the Packers, you know, when when the Packers actually prioritized finding Aaron Rodgers' replacement? (laughs) Uh, Do you think they feel fucking stupid right now? Oh, man. We're talking about arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And and to, to tell you the truth, even last year, which wasn't his best year by far, um, still a decent quarterback, you know. Not even a decent, a pretty good quarterback. And yet they went and they drafted Jordan Love. Yeah. What? All right. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, I remember when I saw that selection. I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I realized that Rogers didn't have the best season of his career uh, last year. But come on, that is not their biggest problem right now. And Jordan Love, you know, with all due respect, I don't know if this is the guy that you want to eventually replace Aaron Rodgers. I guess there's no better player to learn from, but it's just, it fascinates me when when you think about it, they could have used that draft pick to get more weapons for, for Rodgers. So had their front office been smart about this from the beginning and actually draft a high wide receiver in a very talented wide receiver class, this could have been even scarier of an offense.
1: <laughs> to, to go Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon— to be backups for Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones was was insane. Like I did the Dylan pick. If, if now they have the option to not keep Aaron Jones this offseason, I think Dylan is going to be a stud. That man's legs are the size of fucking skyscrapers. Uh he's nuts. Uh he's I think he's going to be a really good player. But it's it's kind of like what we talked about with drafting Cam Akers and Van Jefferson back to back, but like amped up to a hundred because like Cam Akers and Van Jefferson were being drafted to compete with Daryl Henderson and Josh Reynolds, not Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Like, yeah, you could have had a really good receiver. At they took Jordan Love in the first round, right? Yes, they did. Like you, there were there were very very good players, and like if you wanted to take a running back, you could have taken like Jonathan Taylor at twenty six. Uh, you could have taken T Higgins, who it was killing oh, it. You could have taken. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine
3: T Higgins on this team, man.
1: Yeah, like I don't, I don't even think I need to read any more receivers off the list like you could have taken t higgins damn yeah
3: that but is instead i mean they do have Devonte adams but beyond that i feel like the only reason why some of these guys you know their name is because of aaron Rodgers. you know no disrespect to alan lassard who i i feel like um could be something special but do we really know he's gonna be special? Because it could be all Aaron Rodgers here, and you know the same could be said with guys like Marquez Valdez Scantling. He's a guy that even with Aaron Rodgers is meh, but you, you still hear his name because Rodgers finds him. Yep. Somehow he finds him.
1: Yeah, it's but, and it's like. It, it, the so like you, when you look at how this draft fell like the the out of the five picks right before their pick, three receivers went: Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Iok. All would have been insane on the Packers, but like oh, you don't yeah. you don't panic draft a quarterback at twenty six. Like that was that was in the cards. Like if you were gonna take a receiver even though you like those guys, like, you probably take T. Higgins. And, like, it's not like the guys behind, you know, the receivers that went in the second round. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr., LaVisca Shenault, K.J. Hamler, Chase Claypool, Van Jefferson, Denzel Mims. Like, <laughs> if, you could, if you didn't want to take a receiver there, you could trade back a little bit and get any of those guys. A lot of those guys are having, like, very promising seasons. Uh, obviously, Higgins and, and Claypool would stand out the most, but man, I don't, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but to kind of, to kind of turn it back into this game, that offense, like you're, you're probably not going to hold that offense to thirteen points. Maybe you do. That'd be incredible. But uh, you got to be content if you, if they score. I don't know, twenty one points, even twenty four points. If the Packers score twenty four points. Uh, I'm not going to be upset. They're leading the NFL in points. Like that's probably still a pretty good game from the defense. But the issue here is that uh, we need to score points. We're probably not getting these points off turnovers. We need to make them happen ourselves. And Green Bay's got a good defense. I wouldn't go as far to call it a great defense. They they've they've given up some yards to running backs at times this year. Although last two weeks they've done a pretty good. Pretty good job against David Montgomery uh, and Derrick Henry. The Rams office is going to have to play one of their best games they've played this season to win this game. Now, that being said, maybe that's not that impressive because we haven't played that many good offensive games. But, like, they're going to have to put points on the board. They're going to have to score touchdowns. Uh, they're going to have to make plays. They're going to to throw the ball well. They're going to have to run the ball well uh, if you want to have a shot in this game. I don't. it's it's hard to have a ton of faith in the offense to do that. And on top of that, it's going to be fucking cold. And Jared Goff, assuming he's the guy already with a thumb injury, historically has not played well in weather that's predicting to be as cold as it's going to be probably in the 20s. His The last time he played in a game that cold, Johnny, or that range, do you remember what game it was? I,
3: I'm not sure, to be honest.
1: I could tell you because I was there. It was the Sunday night football game against Chicago in 2018. Oof. Maybe the worst game of his entire career. Uh, So, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, do you have faith that the offense can pull it off in this matchup?
3: Well, here's where I have a little faith. Um, the fact that Cam Akers ran so well against the uh, Seahawks. Now, keep in mind, while the Seahawks doesn't have an elite defense either, I do think that the Seahawks' rush defense is is pretty solid. And the fact that he just ran wild the the entire game, I I'm um I'm a little confident here because. I think that means that he's healthy enough, first of all, to, to play and someone that the Rams could rely on as well, uh, pending if he doesn't turn over the ball. So I think this game needs to be a run heavy game for sure, because no matter who's the quarterback in this game, neither Wolford nor Goff is going to be a very reliable quarterback. And as you mentioned, in the frigid conditions in the, in the atmosphere and everything, I I have to say I'm, I'm not confident in the aerial attack, but the ground game, I think gives us a little bit of hope Um, primarily because defensively, while they have some studs on the team, I I just, I'm not that confident in the Packers defense at all. So, it just really depends on on two things for me. How well the Rams run the ball and play calling. Play calling needs to be efficient here. You know, especially, of course, in the red zone. You're not going to win with field goals alone. This is not going to be a game where you can kick like five field goals and win the game. It's just it's not going to happen. And we it's not fair to ask the defense to basically continue to win games for us, uh, particularly uh, getting defensive touchdowns, especially against a guy that only gave up five interceptions the entire year. It's just not going to happen. So for me, that's going to be the key. Clever play calling and the efficient run game. If the Rams can do those two things, I think the Rams have a shot at this game.
1: Yeah. The, yeah, for sure. If you can run the ball well, and if you could contain this Packers offense, not stop, you're going to give yourself a shot, And but you have to score points. Like you said, you have to score touchdowns. And here, here's the blueprint, Johnny. This is the game, if you're going to look at one game this year, in week Eight. I think this is week eight. November first. The one in five Minnesota Vikings took down the five and one Green Bay Packers. In this game, Aaron Rodgers turned the ball over once. He fumbled. He didn't throw an interception. He was sacked one time. Still threw for 291 yards. Still threw for three touchdowns. But in this game, Kirk Cousins only threw for 160 yards for the Vikings. But the Vikings didn't turn the ball over. And they ran it down Green Bay's throats. Dalvin Cook ran the ball thirty times for 163 yards and three touchdowns, and he added uh, he added a 50 yard receiving play, touchdown. So I mean that's that's the blueprint, man. To beat this team, that's the game you got to look to and say, how can we perform similarly to this team did? That was on the road in Lambeau. It obviously wasn't as cold, but it's happened. Teams have beaten. The Packers this year team in Minnesota, a team that probably has a, a much better offense than we do, but not even remotely close on defense, and they were able to contain Green Bay and get that win uh, on the backs of a great offensive performance. Uh, they got one turnover. That'd be great if we could get a turnover, but uh, you, you you can't bank on it. And yeah, it it's doable, but it's going to be tough. Um and i mean like prediction wise i hate to say it but I I, yeah, I I can't not pick the packers here i would pick the packers to win 24 to 14 or 24 to 13 more realistically uh i don't know but it's I, I feel okay going into this game because, you know, it's a tough matchup. You are the underdog. Um, it's a game I love to win. I think they have a shot at winning. But, you know, if it, if it ends on Saturday, with with all the fucking ups and downs we've had this season, I, I would not call this season a, a failure if it ends in a loss to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, there were things that could have been better. And I don't. I still think there's a chance they win this game. Uh, a real shot because the defense is that good. And if the offense can just figure it out just enough. And also like you got to keep in mind too, the coach on the other side of the field is Matt LaFleur. That's Sean McVay's protege. He knows this guy. Uh, Now that could go both ways too for You know, Matt LaFleur, he knows who he's coaching against. There's a real chance for an upset here, but I, I'm not going to sit here and, predict it I'm hoping for it I think it's possible but uh, I I feel a lot better at least going into this game than I have going into a game in weeks
3: for sure uh, certainly feel a lot better than when we played against the Jets but um, I I will say this uh, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic in this game and for an interesting reason, not necessarily because of the offense. I mean, let's face it, the offense is probably going to be the reason why we lose if if we lose at all. But the reason why I'm cautiously optimistic is because one thing that I think we've seen from, from uh, Aaron Rodgers before is while he does make smart decisions, he also has a bit of an ego. Um, And I feel like that he's going to challenge our secondary, particularly Jalen Ramsey, like nobody has this year. And I feel like that might come back to haunt him. You know, there's a reason why Jalen Ramsey isn't, you know, blown up with stats like uh, interceptions or anything like that. I I think that this is going to truly, truly help. The Rams if um, if he does try and challenge Ramsey, I don't know. He might go the safe route and completely prove me wrong. But I feel like that's what's going to happen. And for that reason, I'm going to give the win to the Rams here.
1: Love it.
3: it. It's a complete and utter Homer pick, but I don't care. I, I think that this, there, there are tools in this game. That's going to help the Rams out, and I think there might be some bits and pieces that might help them out, like an ego from Aaron Rodgers, if it so comes down to that. Uh, so that being said, I'm going to pick the Rams here in a very, very close 28-27 to 27 victory.
1: Hey, man, the Rams always play play up or down to their competition this week, um, or this year. So, I, it really it really wanted to shock me. I, I, I think the Packers are – I am more picking them because I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the Packers. And I – just the offense over the last couple weeks it hasn't given me enough confidence that we will score enough points to win this game. But I sure as fuck hope we do. And I, I don't think it's impossible. I think the blueprint is there. You saw it with that Minnesota game. Uh, it, there is a path to beating this team. And – You know, it it would be crazy if we ended up in the NFC Championship again against the Saints this year. Uh, It would be (laughs) nuts.
3: Oh, man. I bet there's going to be a lot, a lot of people um, watching for defensive pass (laughs) (laughs) interference. Well, on the plus side, Nikel Roby Coleman's not on the team anymore.
1: Yep. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> and hey, the the Tampa Bay might might beat the Saints. Well, you know,
3: uh, the Saints didn't exactly play extremely well against the Bears of all teams. Yep. So it wouldn't surprise if the if the Buccaneers win the win this football game. No man, uh, I, I mean it's the battle of the aging quarterbacks. So
1: and they they have a ridiculously good offense they've been they've been they they should be better than they've been playing a lot of times this year uh, but you brought up something and something I wanted to close the pot on that I forgot to put my notes dude did you catch any of the Nickelodeon game? No, ah, oh, you missed out man incredible, incredible stuff. I'm curious
3: now what did I miss
1: <laughs> It was just so weird like. <laughs> Anytime someone would score a touchdown, they'd have, like, virtual slime going. Uh, just, like, the graphics on the field were so, like, pleasing. Um, and, and <laughs> it, it was just ridiculous. Uh, but I loved it. It was, broad, like, the, the game was targeting towards kids. And, I mean, you could obviously tell in the presentation and the broadcast and the fact that it was on, like, Nickelodeon but uh like they they had, they had Nate Burlson on, on the call and he fucking killed it man he's a gen the the commentary booth was uh Noah Eagle who for those in the know about broadcasting is Ian Eagle's son uh Nate Burlson who you might know from like Good Morning Football I think that's the show I think he's on that I don't know he he's pretty prominent and uh some 15 year old child actress that's <laughs> on TikTok, uh, from Nickelodeon, and it was just like she would just get like so pumped up, like she just she just brought positive energy to the game, which like for those who listen to this podcast, uh, it's great when you could get positive energy suffering through a football game. Like uh the sideline reporter, his name was Lex Lumpkin, I think. Uh, yes. dude, dude did an Obama impression in the middle of the broadcast. I, I was <laughs> all in. Put a nickelodeon game on every week. Uh
3: you know, I I you basically make me want to watch it. I'm going to see if I could somehow find that on YouTube or something.
1: I'm sure you can find because... some clips. That I didn't I actually forgot to mention the best thing whenever they'd go whenever they'd line up to kick a field goal, like when the net rose, uh, they would raise a graphic of SpongeBob's face within the goalpost.
3: That sounds horrifying, but you know, I, I might, uh, that might be hilarious though. Like if you get a football in the eye or something, that'd be hilarious.
1: <laughs> yep, and they, uh, they handed out a Nick, an MVP trophy, the Nickelodeon MVP, and Mitch Trubisky won it. So like, <laughs> it was just, it was just perfect. I don't know why they I waited can... until the playoffs to do something like this, but I fucking loved it.
3: I I mean, I I would think it would be more of a regular season thing, but uh, hey, you know, if it's as entertaining as you're saying, I I definitely need to watch some of this.
1: I mean, like, I hope they make it a a weekly thing, um, because I I know, I'm pretty sure CBS and Nickelodeon are owned by the same company, so it's not like they'd be losing money, And, and I don't know, I feel like if I was 10 years old, I would have much more enjoyed this than a regular broadcast.
3: Yeah, probably. I mean, that's probably why some kids don't get into it right away is because they might not find the commentators entertaining enough.
1: Yeah, like I – I mean, I love football growing up. I played it. Uh, I watched it. I, I followed the Rams as much as I can without being in a local market. But like when I was like a kid, I, I mean, I don't know about you. Like how often did you sit down and watch a full football game from start to finish paying attention the other – the whole time.
3: Well, when I'm a, when I was a kid, you know, if I'm going to be honest, it, it was very rare for me to actually sit down and watch the entire thing. I'd probably go off and do something else for a little bit. Right. And then come back. Right. So, yeah, it, it's absolutely true there.
1: Yeah, I, I think they have something. Uh, I'm glad the Bears game came up because I totally forgot about that. <laughs>
3: By the way, Steve, before we uh, end the podcast, I was curious if you know this. Do you know what happened on this very day to the Rams? last, uh, four, I believe it was four years ago.
1: I uh, saw on Twitter. This is the day they hired Sean McVay, right?
3: Yep. That is uh, 100% tr- uh, true. And I'm hoping, the reason why I brought this up is I'm hoping that because the Rams hired Sean McVay, you know so early in this process that teams like the Jets will forget about Brandon Staley because I think we got a winner in Brandon Staley honestly
1: <laughs> yeah man that's a that's a good point yeah he he's interviewed for a lot of jobs we'll see what happens uh, i don't know i don't know it's weird too because like um like like Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs is a hot coaching candidate. He's still in the playoffs too. So I, I, I don't know how quickly all these teams are gonna move. But yeah, I I I don't think he gets a head coaching job this year. I don't know. Though if we oh, beat the Packers okay. if we beat the Packers, <laughs> it's gonna be a lot more likely.
3: If we dominate the Pax- Packers, it's gonna be likely. Yeah. In fact, I'd probably guarantee it if, if they dominate the Packers, yeah. which isn't going to happen, but you never know.
1: It might be worth it. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> well, hopefully next week is not the start of the offseason. And if it is, I mean, hey, I hope you guys still join us. Uh, go Rams. Follow us on Twitter, at Cibero, at Johnny5not6, at Talk Rams. Give it, us a fast Airbnb on our podcast if you haven't already, and we will talk to you guys
0: next week.
3: Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that mm-hmm. We're going to see him soon. You feel me?